Shabbos, everyone. Let's uh, let's begin. So, first, Yeshikach to my sheep for picking up the food tonight. Yeshikach to John Kaplan for Jonas and Kaplan for making some of the poppers. Kanish shop for making the rest of the poppers. Baruch Hashem, we have popper selection tonight. Shalom selection tonight. 
Baruch Hashem, but uh, an incredible, incredible source to be able to usher in Erev Shabbos together. We're going to continue Mirat Hashem this evening, learning the Torah of the Chalban. So we left off on last week on page Memhei. There should be sheets around if anyone needs. Hopefully, there should be enough. So we left off, we left off on page Memhei. And it was here that the Chalban, remember again, was talking about the Yisod. Does everybody have sheets who needs? Good. Okay. Into our front of Jacob, if anyone needs any extra. So I'll say, so remember again, the Chalban introduced us to this idea. And I think what, what's really incredible about learning this safer, hopefully everybody's feeling it also, is not a week goes by that you don't find something that just fundamentally challenges the way that you think. Right? We, we think we have such clarity. Right? From the first week, when again the Chalban turned the whole Yisod of Panemius and Chitzonius, literally upside down, inside out. He literally turned Panemius and Chitzonius inside out. Every week it's been something else. So last week we began this beautiful idea, a powerful idea of what he called Tzimtzum HaTorah Begolus. The idea that Torah in Golus is fundamentally different than the Torah in Geula. So remember again, on the end of page Mandala, we didn't get so far last week, but on the end, end of page Mandala, if you remember again, the Chalban said, how would you describe Torah in Geula? Geula Torah. How would you describe it? So remember again, he had one phrase, Hine el Yona, he ma'od. That's how he described Torah of Geula. It's high. It's the highest of high. El Yona, he ma'od. And it's almost as if the Chaban was saying that, you know, that there, that there are things in this world, we spoke about this last week, there are things in this world that are so profound that they often just kind of defy description. They defy description. We remember we gave the marshal, like when you want to tell your kids or you want to tell, you know, your spouse how much you love them. You can say, I love you. I love you very much. But do those words really capture the totality of the way you feel about your loved ones? And of course, the answer is no. So the Chaban says, you want me to describe Torah of Gula? How could I describe the Torah of Gula? How could I describe that? Okay. It's really incredible. So with that, we're picking up on page Memhei. Well, look what he writes over here. This is the first full paragraph on page Memhei. He says, So the Chaban says, that the difference between Am Yisrael in Galos versus Am Yisrael in Geula, who Yosir Gadol, look what he writes, who Yosir Gadol, mehevdal shabain hakaton sheachnolod legadolu babayamim. So it's very profound. See, you would think, you would think that if somebody were to ask you, describe the difference between Klal Yisrael in Galos and Klal Yisrael in Geula, a good marshal would be, maybe Klal Yisrael in Galos is like a young child versus Klal Yisrael in Geula, is like a mature adult. A mature adult. So the Chaban says, the distinction between Am Yisrael and Golos and Geula is so dramatic that it's even more different than between a child and an adult. Zehevdil, listen to what he writes, Zehevdil, Shebein Misa L'chaim. The difference between Am Yisrael and Golos and Am Yisrael and Geula is mamish as stark as the difference between life and death itself. The difference between life and death. See, I both say, what is he saying? What's the Chaban he compares to life and death? There's no overlap between life and death, right? There's no similarities between life and death. You know, you compare a child to an adult, there's similarities. It's the same eyes. It's the same ears. It's the same nose. A little bit bigger, a little bit weaker, a little bit this. But it's the same you saw those. When you compare life and death, there's no overlap. There's no comparison. So the Chaban says, you want to compare Amisol's state of being in Golos and Gula? It's like comparing someone who's alive and someone who's dead. He goes on, he says, She'im shum hevdelim bein chayim she'chol there's no overlap. There's no comparison between life and death. 
So just like there's no comparison, there's no overlap between life and death, there's no comparison, there's no overlap between the Jew in Geul and the Jew in Golos. Kach, listen to what he writes. Bizman Shebe Semikto Shayakayim, we're both saying, you know, part, you know, I'll just, I'll just tell you by, by way of, you know, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, Zechuso Yogin Aleinu. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai saved, was one of the people, Rabbi Akiva, saved Klal Yisrael after the destruction of the second Mesa Mikdash. So Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai instituted two different types of takhanas. There's a concept of Zechel L'Churban and Zechel Mikdash. See, often we think those things are synonymous, but they're not. Zechel L'Churban, a good example of Zechel L'Churban is that when you're building your home, you should leave an ama by ama space. So there's a whole Torah why you don't see that. In Eretz Yisrael, you see it much more. You don't see it as much. There's a lot of, lot of Torah on that, not for now. But that's Zechel L'Churban. To remember that which was lost, to remember that which was destroyed. And then there's Zechel Mikdash. What's an example of Zechel Mikdash? That we take Lulav and Esrig, called Shiva. Right? Again, remember, Me'ikra, then you only take Lulav and Esrig one day. The Beis Hamikdash, they would take it all seven days. So, so too, again, now in the absence of the Beis Hamikdash, we take Lulav and Esrig all seven days as well. So we'll say, what's the chilik between Zechel Khurban and Zechel Mikdash? What's the distinction? So Rabbi Salavichik explains so beautifully a very, a very, a very, Tifazach, right? A very, a very, a very sharp distinction. He says that the, the zechel lechorban is there to amplify feelings of pain. Zechel lechorban is there to make you mourn that which you miss. I walk into my home and I see an ama by ama, or I see, you know, I see something, uh, something that's there. Zechel lechorban. I walk into my house. It reminds me, My home is beautiful, Baruch Hashem. My home is built, but the emotions is not. So it's there to accentuate and amplify pain. Zechel Mikdash is there to stoke the fire of anticipatory yearning and pining for that which will be. So why do I take Lulav and Esrig all seven days? To remind myself of that which was, which was done in the Mikdash. Not to make myself mourn over that which has been lost, but to make myself yearn, yearn, intensely yearn for that which will be. I'm, I'm sharing this because when the, when the Chaban contrasts Geula with Galas Rabosai, the goal of this, I want to be very clear, the Chaban's goal is not to make us feel bad. Right? The Chaban's goal is not to make us go out and say, oh, we're in Galus. We're in Galus. The Chaban's goal is to paint a picture of Geula so that we know what we're yearning for. So that we know what we want. The goal, the goal, right? How do you know if it's been a good year? Well, if you're full, I guess that's, that's one <laughs> metric, right? Good, it's one part. I would say, but like, if I walk away from the safer, if I close the safer and I say, you know what? I want Geula just a little bit more. I want Mashiach just a little bit more. Now, now I could taste it. I, I could feel it. I, I, I know a little bit what it's like. That's the Chaban's trying to do. Look what he writes. He says, Kach, Bizman Shebe Samikto Shayakayim. Listen to it. Listen to his description. When the Beis Samikdosh stood, the Neshama was the dominant force over the body. Now, again, this came up a little bit last week. The Chaban's not suggesting that throughout the entire time of the Beis HaMikdash, it was like this. Remember, again, the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed. And it was destroyed because there was obviously a profound decline of Klal Yisrael. But at the end of the day, when you have the Mikdash, you have the ability to reach this level where the Neshama becomes the dominant partner in the body-soul partnership. I said, you know what that, do we, do we even know what that means? This, this goes back to today's daf. Right, Baruch Hashem, we get a Mazel Tov. Today we finished Maseches, we finished Moed Katan. And remember, how does the Gemara describe death? The Gemara describes it as how? Pulling a knotted rope through a hole. Through a, in other words, friction. Friction. According to the Marashah this morning, who says, 
But yet the Gemara elsewhere says that it's like pulling a hair out of milk. It's been a shika. So what's the pshat? So the Marashal said very beautiful. Ben Yoda also brings down this idea. He says everything depends on your body-soul relationship. If your body is the dominant force, the gashmius is the dominant force, death is painful. Because the body doesn't want to let go of the soul. Because the body can't exist without the soul. And the body wants to continue to exist. But if the neshama is the dominant piece of who I am, then the, neshama, the body has no control over the neshama. The body has to let go. The body has to let go because the neshama has a higher calling. So I will say, Wait, isn't this the struggle we have every single day? Every day there's a tug of war for my essence. Who's going to win? Is it going to be my body, my goof, my carnal desires, or my, my wants, or my neshama? And this is a tug of war. And I will say, let's be honest. Some days, some days the neshama wins. Most days the body wins. Most days the body wins. The Chaban says, you know what the power of Geula is? The power of Geula is a state of being where the neshama is the dominant force. The neshama is the thing that guides me. The neshama is in the driver's seat. He goes on, he says, Person would feel during Geula, the essence of Geula is that a person feels the shechina churning inside of him. Bose, can you imagine what that feels like? You know, we, we have moments like that. We have moments like that where I feel the shechina inside of me. Moments like that where I feel like the neshama is in control. But it's episodic. For most of us, it's episodic. Right? Most times, it's not like that. Well, in Geula, that's the norm. That's the norm. Memela. And then what happens? Again, there's Nevoah, there's prophecy, and Klal Yisrael finds themselves elevated to the highest level. And I must remember again, what's the highest level for Klal Yisrael according to the Chaban? What's the highest level? Oneness. When all the parts understand that their dominant feature is to be part of the whole where the limbs recognize that their highest calling is not to be individual limbs, but ultimately, again, to be part of the body. That's what Geula is. To be a complete nation who understands that the essence of its life is to be a friend, a beloved Raya of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the Chaban says, you want to know what Geula is like? Read Shir Hashirim. Read Shir Hashirim. I will say, you know, Shir Hashirim is one of the strangest books of Tanakh, right? No one knows what to do with it, right? No one knows, right? Art scroll, art scroll sanitized the whole thing, right? It's like, you know, it, it's, you, right? If you know, if you could speak Hebrew, you have no idea where the art scroll translation comes from because it doesn't seem to, now again, that goes with the approach that it's a metaphor, I will say, but it's not an accident. It's not an accident. The Shlomo Melech wrote Shir Hashirim, ultimately as an intense, passionate love song between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Klal Yisrael. That, 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 that's what it is. It's in essence. It's an intense love song between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Klal Yisrael. So I will say, at the end of the day, says the Chaban so profoundly, at the end of the day, that's what Geula is. This intense connection. This intense relationship, this intense devekos, ba'osher, So says the Chaban, you know, when one leads an enriched life of Mikdash, of Nevoah, Hirgish Koyachin Mi Yisrael Es Mashmaos Chayov Bigdulas Atsuma. But say, look how beautiful this is. The, the, the Chaban goes on, he explains that at the end of the day, when 
when we're in this state of Geula, there's another piece. Everyone feels the purposefulness of their existence. Everyone feels that they, and I look, look at his Lashon over here. Every person sees the essence of his life as something so meaningful, so significant, so profound. He sees himself as a spark, as a spark of the torch, that torch which illuminates the world in its entirety. Isn't this incredible? The truth is, you know, if you're, if you're a little bit cynical, what do you think you're right about now? Right? What do you think you're right about now? Right? No one wants to say because nobody wants, you can't be cynical in the Hasidus Chabura. I will say, but you know, if you're cynical, you're like, come on, where do you, where do you get this from? Where, 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 where is this coming from? I will say, and the simple answer is, it doesn't matter. The Chaban said it, he was in a Kobol, he's a great tzaddik, and so it's true. And so we go with it, and we go with it. And I will say, I want to just tell you something. Part of the beauty of this is, when you put your mind to the side, and you open your heart and your soul. This is not an exercise in the intellect. I will say, if you let these words course through your neshama, and listen to how the Chaban describes Gula. I will say, can you imagine going through life feeling like you matter all of the time? So many of us go through life and we don't think we matter. We just don't think we matter. Some of us actively feel that way in a conscious state. Others feel it in a subconscious state but a feeling of like being extra. Like, what, 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 what am I doing here? Would the world really miss me if I wasn't here? Have I moved the needle in any way in the world? Do I make a difference? Do I make an impact? Or do I simply exit, exit? You know, I'll tell you something as I had an interesting interaction with someone a couple of weeks ago where I called someone, I just was calling a person regarding a particular issue. And he's like, oh, I'm happy you finally called me. And I said, okay. He's like, I haven't been in shul for the last week and a half. And you didn't call me. You didn't call me. So, you know, like most of us, my first reaction is always to get defensive. Oh, right, because there's only nine people in shul, right? And you were the tenter. So, you know, we were waiting for you. You know, I should have realized. So, and then I realized like, wow, 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 wow. Some people need to be noticed, not Altsgaiva, because they just want to know deep what this guy was saying deep down was, I guess it don't really matter. I guess now, of course it's not true. Everybody matters. But again, it's Chatani Maske. I don't, you can't see everyone all the time. But what a profound Yisod. This is the guy, an accomplished individual, Baruch Hashem. He, he just wanted to know that, that he matters. That he matters. That he matters to his, his Rav, to his Shul, to his this was so profound. Everybody wants to matter. And so in Geula, in Geula, it's apparent that I matter. In Geula, it's clear that I matter. The Chaban goes on. Look what he writes. And we'll say, this is incredible. He says, Hashabbos, we're going to be doing this for a very long time, by the way, I realize, right? Because again, it, it's just so beautiful. Hashabbos, Hatfilin, Vahatzitzis, Talmud Torah, Ve'esek HaMitzvah. So all the mitzvahs, Kimo, Gam HaMelocha, Ubinyan HaOretz, Hayu Yachtov Lenimim Vegidim Be'ilon Rav Serigim. See, I say, think about this just a moment. You do a mitzvah, you put on tefillin, you put on tefillin. Right? Who are you benefiting when you put on tefillin? Who are you benefiting? So remember again, Golos mentality, right? Golos mentality is chitzonius. So who am I benefiting when I put on tefillin? Me. 
Me, and by the way, that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing at all. But the Chaban says, oh my gosh, it's, that's like a, that's like a tipa shibatipin. That, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a drop in what it means. When, when there's geula, we recognize that every single thing we do, yes, it benefits us as individuals. But we recognize the collective power of our mitzvos. Again, the, the, the imagery here is so beautiful. And he's, by the way, it's not just mitzvos, melacha. We'll say melacha. You know, it's interesting that kind of most of us, most of us kind of walk around with two identities, right? We have an identity. It's like my work identity and my ruchni identity. My work identity is what I do to make a living. What do I do to make a living? If I could help out a little bit here, help out a little bit there, I make money, I could give tzedakah, or in my industry, I help do favors for people. But there's my work, there's my work identity, and then there's my ruchnius. And my, what's my ruchnius? My ruchnius is my shear, is my learning, is my davening, is between the bitzibur, that's all the different things. In Geula, I recognize it's haba hatalya. Because when the Jew works, when the Jew works, and the Jew works in a meaningful an upright and honest way. It's not just the shot that I'm earning a living. I'm building the world. I'm building the world. But in Gullus, you don't see it. So part of the other dynamic of Geula is I begin to see that all of my mitzvahs, everything I'm doing in different ways, contributes to the totality of the harmony of the world. He goes on, he says, Imam, he'iru b'chol oz komat moni Torah. So I'll say furthermore, Torah. Torah is different than in Geula than it is than it is than it is in Galus. Why? See, Torah in Galus, and we're going to talk about this today a lot. Amir Hashem. Torah in Galus is just a surface Torah, not superficial, shalom, but a surface Torah. But there's a whole body of nistar, a whole body of hidden Torah. That again, you know, we access it through Zohar, through Kabbalah, through Hasidus. But I will say, you know what? Today, the pursuit of Nistar is kind of much more a, what's the word? Um, peripheral pursuit, you know, or, or additional pursuit. It's not a primary pursuit. In Geula, all of the levels of Torah are exposed to everyone. He goes on, he says, I'll say each of these lines is a shir by itself. And what happens in Geula? Gula, we discover the secret of our neshamas. I will say, because each and every one of our neshamas has a soul, has a secret. Not a secret that you're keeping from someone else, but a secret dimension of holiness that we have yet to access. We look at ourselves, and so often, we just think of ourselves as ordinary, as a regular, as run-of-the-mill. But ah, the neshama holds so many secrets, so much depth, so much profundity, so much holiness. Ad sagas nevuah. You know, the Gemara discussed, we saw it not so long ago in Dafyomi. The Gemara says that there were more Nevi'im for Klal Yisrael, Yoser, Kiflaim Kiyotim Yisrael. More than two times the number of people left Egypt, which would put it at, there are 600,000 men, over a million Nevi'im. Right, so remember this Gemara. So the Gemara says, I so what happened to all of their Nevu'as? Why aren't they recorded? So the Gemara says, Nevu'ah that has a future impact ultimately was recorded. Nevu'ah that only had an, an episodic temporary impact was not recorded. In, in, in Gula, in Gula, when I access the hidden levels of Torah, when I access the secret of my neshama, Nevu'ah becomes the purview of everyone. Nevu'ah becomes the purview of everyone. Nevu'ah representing that deep dialogical connection with the Rebana Shalom. Everyone has access to it. Turn to page Membav. He goes on. 
Shal Giloy Shechina. So let's listen to this. In this, in this level of page Memvav, in this level of Giloy Shechina, of revelation of the divine, this is incredible. This is incredible. Says the Chaban, in Yemosa Mashiach, in Geula, we're going to call it, we're not going to use the word Yemosa we're going to use the word Geula, because that's the word he's using. In the world of Geula, there's no discussion about reasons or purposes of mitzvahs. Let's say, wrap your head around this one. There's no discussion of reason or purpose behind mitzvah. Why not? Or for that matter, reward. So no discussion of reward, no discussion of purpose, no discussion of reason. How could that be? How could they? Don't, don't, doesn't man naturally yearn to understand things? Because at the end of the day, when in Gula, there's going to be such clarity. There's going to be such a clarity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, such a clarity of the secret of our Neshamas, such a clarity of Torah, that the notion of why, of what, of how, of what do I get, those questions fall by the side. Fall by the side. And I will say, now I think what the Chaban is saying is like this. It doesn't necessarily mean that, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to understand everything. What, what do you think the Chaban is describing here? What is he describing? What does he mean when, when in Geula, there's no questions about meaning or reward or this, that? Why not? Why not? What do you think? Because that's what it is. I'll say, I'll give you some, exactly. I'll give you a simple example. Right? If, if, if you tell your child, I love you, and your child says, well, why do you love me? Why do you love me? Right? Children don't usually ask that. Parents sometimes ask that, why do I love this kid? Right? Right? But, right? But, but, right? So imagine the child asks you, why do you love me? So what does a parent answer? What does a parent answer? Imagine, you go home, you tell your kid you love them, and they say, well, why? Why? What's your answer? Because. Because I do. Because I do. And I understand why I do. I can't articulate it. And the truth is, it's not necessary to articulate it. It's not necessary to articulate why a parent loves a child. It's not necessary. It may be sometimes necessary to articulate why a child loves a parent. It's a different kind of love. But why a parent loves a child, no articulation is necessary because it's clear. Now, both sides, if somebody were to press you and to tell you, no, I want you to write uh, an essay, right? Double space, two pages, right? About why you love your child. I think it would actually be hard. I think actually, like, what are you going to say? They're cute. They make me laugh. Like, well, well, think about it. Because like, there are certain things that it's true. It's true. It's MS. You want me to explain it rationally and intellectually? I don't know that I could actually do that. But just because I can't articulate it intellectually does not mean that it's not true. It's, it's, the truth is, it's actually truer than anything. The love I have for my child is probably the truest thing that exists in this world, even though I can't explain it at all. I, again, I could give basic ideas, but I can't explain the depth of... So the Chaban explains in, in, in Geula, in Geula, when all of these things that he described, they're going to be happening over here, there's just a clarity. There's just a clarity. So what's the reward for mitzvahs? I don't know, but like it doesn't, it doesn't, what's, what's the, what, what's, what do you get for loving your child? I don't know. I guess I get something. I'm sure I do get something from it. 
but it's not bala inyan. I'm, I'm not thinking about it. That clarity, that clarity takes away the need for an understanding of the why, of the what, and of the rewards. Ultimately, again, because at the end of the day, the sweetness of Torah, the beauty of Torah, the gift of serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu, all of that becomes so clear and apparent that a rationale or a reasoning behind it simply becomes unnecessary. Both sides. Do you hear this? What up? What up? It's hard to even wrap our, our head around it also, because we're going to see, by the way, that in Golas we've backed into a different form of Torah. Let's, let's go on a little bit. He says, Lefichach. He says something amazing. Both say, get ready for this. Lefichach. Lo simtza besifrei hanavua dibuk ve'eksek b'chayu olam This is incredible. Does he ever wonder, why is there no discussion of olam haba? <laughs> right? It's, it's the, one of the Rambam's Yud Gimali Kari Emuna. Again, I'll just point out, not everyone agrees with the Rambam's 13 principles, right? Not, first of all, not everybody agrees that there's a concept of principles of faith. There are, there are mitzvos, there are commandments, but the Rambam has Yud Gimali Karim, right? And in those Yud Gimali Karim is belief in Olam Haba. Why doesn't it appear anywhere? Forget about Chumash. Right, forget about how much. I will say not one reference. Okay, there's a veiled reference here and there. Not one reference to Olam Haba. What's the pshat? Look what he writes. So I will say, furthermore, think about this. I will say, and this is such a profound yisod. How do we relate to Olam Hazeh? Right, think about this. What, what's our relationship to this world? What's our relationship? How, how do we view, how does the Jew view this world? Temporary, Temporary right? What's the Lashon Chazal and Perki Yavis? Right? It's a prusdar. It's a trackling. Right? It's, it's a hallway. Right? It's, it's, it's a trackling. Though. So that's how you view it. Why is that concept never mentioned? Right? Well, it's a mission of us. Mission of us. But what a prof- Isn't that like one of the foundational stones of Yiddishkeit? That this world is but an antechamber. Right? That this world is but a trackling. That this world is but a prusdar. Right? Both words used in the Mishnayas. So... Should, like, shouldn't that be articulated somewhere in Tanakh? So look what the Chaban says. He says, Ki kishe, kishe olam abba, meyer ba'olam the Chaban says something amazing. Because when we reach the level of Gula, you see, the Yid's goal is never to get to Olam Haba. I will say, I'm not in a rush to get to Olam Haba. On many levels, I just discussed this. We just discussed this this morning in Dafyomi, right? I think I think it was this morning. The problem with giving share at five forty-five. I'm not sure which day it was. Right? So, so yeah, we saw it this morning. Six forty-four. Six forty-four. I did this. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> not that anyone's keeping count. But yeah, to the Bashak. You know, we started at six forty-seven this morning. So, so, so uh, I'll put this something interesting. I mentioned this this morning. Rosh Hashanah Hirsch brings down. And he says that it's a fascinating dynamic that by churches, you'll often find cemeteries attached to churches. But by shuls, you do not find cemeteries attached. As I mentioned, you know, if you go to, if you go to Europe, especially Eastern Europe, you'll often find cemeteries attached to shuls. Like if you go to the, um, the Ramoshul, right, in Krakow, right? So there's a famous cemetery there that Ramos is buried there. Tosas Yamtiv is buried there. A lot of great tzaddikim are buried there. I will say, but again, that was a din in land ownership. That was that the Jewish community got a parcel and pretty much used it for anything and everything. So if Hirsch says, why don't we put cemeteries next to shuls? Why not? Why not? So I'll say the simple answer, because if Hirsch says, Yiddishkeit is a life-affirming religion. 
because we don't view our mission as getting to Olam Haba. That's not my mission. I know life will come to an end. I know that one day I'll die and I'll leave this world and, and I have to be ready to accept that and ready to give din v'cheshbon on my life, but I'm in no rush. That's not my goal. My goal is not to get to Olam Haba. Chaban says, you're right. That's why Olam Haba is never mentioned. Olam Haba is never mentioned in Tanakh because my goal is not to get there, but I do have a goal to get somewhere. Where's my goal to get to? Geula. Geula. That's my goal. Right? My goal is to get from Gullus to Geula. Olam Haba, it'll come. I hope that I'm ready. I hope to lead a virtuous enough life that I have entry. But that's, that's not really where I'm focused on. That's not really where I'm going. Where I'm going, where I'm going, where I want to get to, is I want to get to Geula. And therefore the Chaban says, Ki kishaziva Olam Haba, meir ba'olam azeh. Because when the, look, look at these words. When the light of the world to come shines into this world, and I will say, when does the light of Olam Haba shine into Olam Hazeh? Take a wild guess. When does that happen? Geula. Geula. Part of the hallmark of Geula, I will say, is almost as if there's like an alignment between Olam Haba and Olam Hazeh. And the light of Olam Haba shines into this world. And he said before, as a result, there's a proliferation of prophecy. Because once I find the soul, the secret of my neshama, then suddenly again, prophecy becomes rampant. The Chaban says something amazing. Chazal, Tanakh, we're not really, well, Tanakh was not focused on Olam Haba because the goal is not to get to the world to come. The goal is to get to Geula because once I get to Geula, there's an alignment between the world of Geula and Olam Hazeh. There's an alignment between Olam Haba and Olam Hazeh and that light of Olam Haba shines into this world. And it's that light, I will say, that allows me to discover again the secret of my neshama, to find the deeper dimensions of Torah, to recognize that I'm a part of the whole, proliferation of prophecy, and suddenly everything becomes clear. So the Torah doesn't focus really all that much on reward for mitzvos, doesn't focus all that much ultimately again on Olam Haba, because the goal is get to Geula. Get to Geula. And if I could only just get to Geula, then all of the theological pieces fall into place. So the Chaban says, and by the way, and he, he, this is a very important point, lest you think that we're describing some future state that we never experienced before, it's natural. Chaban says, We had this state, we had this state of being ready, we, we experienced this. So we had this. We're going to see. When Shlomo HaMelech built the base HaMikdash, we just had this in Dafyomi. It's a good plug for that. Everything's in Dafyomi. It's incredible. So we just had this. The year that Shlomo HaMelech built the base HaMikdash, remember again, the Gemara says, they didn't fast on Yom Kippur. Do you know what that means not to fast on Yom Kippur? No, none of us know what it means not to fast on Yom Kippur. Barring Chas HaShalom, illness, who ever heard of such a thing like this? Then we fast on Yom Kippur. The world was different. The world was different. The, the light of Olam Haba shone in, sh- shined down into Olam Haza. They figured out the Seldon Shabbat. We experienced this. We experienced this. Now again, as I don't know, maybe it was Nehemiah brought it up last week. 
One of the important things to remember is just because you have it doesn't mean you can't lose it. Right? We had it. Right? We had it, but we lost it. So don't think we're talking about some esoteric future event for which we have no frame of reference. We've had periods in our history like this. And now, unfortunately, we lost it. With the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, with diaspora, the world has become a darker place. The Shechina is removed. Now, we'll say what that means is the Shechina is not removed. The Shechina is very much with, here, with us here. But it's a different kind of revelation. It's a different kind of relationship. Now, we'll say sometimes... When a relationship is fractured, to be fractured, there might be an incredible amount of love that's there, but the relationship takes on a different form. You know, so you see this all the time. You know, this is like a typical, typical mistake that people make in, in relationships, right? Which is, you know, you wrong someone. You you could fill in the someone, whoever the someone you want it to be, your spouse, your friend, your parent, and what happens? You realize you did something wrong. So what do you do when you realize you did something wrong? What do you do? Good. Everyone should be saying this, right? I apologize, right? right? It's not a true question. I apologize. And I'll say, so it's interesting. You know, when you do something wrong, you apologize. So what do you, think about this. You're, you're the offender. You apologized. In your mind, what's the next step? What's the next step? Right? We're all good. Right? We're, we're, we're good, right? We're good. And then it's interesting because sometimes the person you hurt is like, no, we're, we're, we're not good. We're not good. And then something amazing happens, which is the offender apologizes, suddenly becomes the aggrieved party. We're not good. Did you see that sincerity in that apology? Did you see the moisture? There's like a little bit of a thing going on over here on the side of my eye. What, what, do, you, what, what do you mean we're not good? Because you'll say sometimes we forget that when you fracture relationships, even if you apologize and you're sincere in your apology, when you break things, sometimes it takes time to put them together. And sometimes even when you put them back together, it's not the same as it was. So when the Chaban says over here, Nistalka HaShchina, it doesn't mean the Shechina is gone. But the Churban represented a fracturing of the relationship. And we're together, we're together, but it's not the same. It's not the same. Right? It's, it's, it's just not the same. So, you know, it's like, Lahavdil, Lahavdil, you know, again, Chazal compare the Chayta Egel, the Chayta Maraglim, the Churban, to like a wife who commits adultery. Klal was the wife who committed adultery. So a couple could overcome an adulterous affair. But is the trust the same? Is the bond the same? Is intimacy the same? Maybe. Dr. Solomon's here. You know, I'm not going to weigh in on this. Right? But, but, but you know, I'm saying like, I'm sure you could get there. I'm sure you could get there. But maybe you never get there. The relationship could still be good. It could still be meaningful. But it might not be able to put it back the same. And certainly it's not going to be the same for a little while. That's what happens. So we fracture the relationship. It's not the same. It's not the same, but it's there. Well, so let's finish this paragraph. He says, Nignizah neshama. Then I will say, now you could appreciate that phrase. What does it mean, Nignizah? The neshama was hidden. What does it mean, the neshama was hidden? What was hidden? What was hidden? The sod, right? The secret of my neshama is now hidden. Vaguf noser levado shochin ba'afar. And who's in control now? Right? Who's the dominant, who's the dominant personality in life? The guf. Physicality. V'shever achar, shever. Nifrad And unfortunately, there's breakage after breakage, adversity after adversity, difficulty after difficulty. And the body, which was once an intact body of Klal Yisrael, is broken into pieces. And I will say, tell me, after a paragraph like that, 
Don't you want Geula? Don't you? So said, the contrast is so profound. Right? The Chaban, it's, it's a, tells us what Geula is, what Geula is. Then he told us we had it, we lost it. Here's where we are now. Here's where I will say, fine, one more line, then we'll stop. Yeridas Pelo'em Zu. Shavu said it's very important. So we'll, we'll, I'll mention this, but then we'll stop over. We'll pick up with this next week in Mirza Hashem. The Chaban says that let's focus on a dramatic change. And there's been just a dramatic change in the way we experience Torah. Remember again, Chaban explained that Torah of Geula is like this luminescent Torah that everything just has a clarity. It doesn't mean that I understand everything. I will say it doesn't mean, right, that the Pshat, the Mashiach comes, Geula comes, everybody's a Bucky and Shas and Post, and everyone knows everything. But there's a clarity. So I don't struggle with the whys. I don't. I don't struggle with the what's. I don't struggle with the reward and the punishment and this and that. There's a sense of clarity. But with Gullus, it's not just the pshat that our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu has changed and that our relationship with one another has changed, but our relationship with Torah itself changes. He goes on, he says, Nimtza pe'er adir ben avodas Hashem haregile b'yom hakamonim u'bein maimar ha'chayim begalos. There's a large chasm. There's just a large divide between what our avodas Hashem was in the time of Gula and what it is now. Lefichach, look what he writes. This is so profound. The same way that Am Yisrael kind of suffers a setback in Galus, Torah does as well. Torah has been diminished. Now what has Torah been diminished? Well, I listen to this. Torah is reduced, I will say, to Gar'inisar, what's Gar'inisar? A little kernel, a little seed, a little seed. Dalid Amis Shel Halacha. Says the Chalban, if you notice that something very interesting, the preoccupation with Torah and Galus is what? Is Halacha. Is Halacha. And it's, right, isn't, isn't this fascinating? Right, again, so much, so much of our Yiddishkeit, so much of our Yiddishkeit is halacha. And the truth is very much the preoccupation. And one, of the, one of the incredible things that's happened in Galas, is what? One of the most incredible things that happened in Galas was? Most incredible thing happened in Most incredible thing hands on happened in Galas. Right, Chalin. It's called Talmud Bavli. Talmud Bavli. Talmud Bavli didn't happen in Eretz Yisrael, hence its name, Talmud Bavli, right? And in fact, Talmud Yerushalmi is not considered to be as authoritative as Talmud Bavli. So isn't it fascinating that the greatest work that we, one of the great, right next to Tanakh, right? The great is Talmud Bavli. What is Talmud Bavli focused on? Talmud Bavli is focused on Dalar HaMashal Halacha. Rebbe say because Torah in Galus becomes really about one thing, which is, which is, what do I need to do? Follow the rules. What, what do I need to do? Because in Gullus, there are so many things that could derail me. There's a hyper-focus on what are the rules, what's the framework, and what do I need to do? But says the Chaban, that's a garinist tzara. You see, the tragedy is, halacha, as important as it is, is one piece. Now, again, it's an indispensable piece. You can't be a Jew if you don't know what to do, right? So at, the, at the end of the day, I need halacha. 
But it's amazing to see how in Gullus, so much of our Judaic experience is embedded in halacha. But in fact, there's so much, I will say, but that's what Gullus is. Gullus, my Judaism becomes about how do I navigate through the tumultuous straits of life? In Geula, in Torah is so much more than that. Torah is about relationship. Relationship to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Relationship to the Am. Relationship to one another. So, so we'll stop over here for tonight. We'll pick up, we'll say, because this Yisod, about that the Torah of Golos is the Torah of Halacha. That's Halacha. Halacha is the preoccupation of Golos. And what Halacha becomes, Bismana Geula, Emir Tashem next week. I'll say Shukayah. You can't listen to your kidneys. In Gullah, you can't listen to your kidneys. In Gullah, you just you know what to do. You know what? There's Abraham a, just knew what to do. There's it a, wasn't, uh, it's like automatic. There's just this clarity. There's this voice. You know, this is why. You could have it. It's also interesting because those things happen outside of Israel also, right? Moshe Rabbeinu sees a snap. Abraham hears a lech So there is, these people experience this type of geula clarity. Uh, even though they're outside of Eretz Yisrael, which is unique. I, I don't know that that's replicable. You know, again. Yeah, we'll say Marif. Marif.